Well, you know, this is Dennis Jenkins for Dynamic Dads. Today we're going to talk about the trauma. Everybody has trauma. Talk about the trauma in the house. See, right now we have a lot of things going on in the world, and it's causing a lot of trauma in our life. Some people have trauma in their family, something an episode that has happened to them, and they no longer talk about it because it's too devastating for them to deal with. But we look around the world today, and we see a lot of issues that's going on in racial injustice, a lot of racism, a lot of you know, a lot of wars of um, words, a lot of things being said, which is causing trauma, not only to the young but to the old. So today we want to talk about that trauma in the house. So hope that you listen to this podcast and you get something out of it that can help you deal with the trauma that you're going through. Thank you and enjoy the podcast, the trauma in the house. Mama Deborah. We're being recorded right now, but this is Dynamic Dad, positive nice attitude, to see you energy, all. and new ideas. So we're going to wait on a few. I got Pastor Dave Anderson coming on. And the topic today, as it will be from now until, because it is something that will never go away, and that is the trauma in the house. So we want to talk to everybody to get their opinion, the traumatic experience that we all go through in life, and how do we cope with that. I mean, some of us, you know, never talk about it. Some of us, you know, move in silence with the trauma, and we just kind of go through life just wandering around trying to deal with it. We go through our different episodes of it. And we do good days, bad days. But we know as people, especially as black people, we deal with a lot of trauma. And we always had that stigma, don't you tell nobody about the, the business in my house. Keep everything in-house. And even still, nobody wants to talk about in the house. And so right. we all grow up and deal with this trauma. And then, you know, as a child, we grow up with trauma and don't talk about it. Then we get to adults, we don't talk about it. And now we, we send off to the next generation and teach your kids not to talk about the trauma. And so we're here today to talk about how can we stop that from happening because we have a lot of sick people walking around with trauma and don't know how to deal with the trauma. And so we want to talk about that. We hope you guys can give us solutions. Um, what you think, how should we deal with the trauma? We're going through the trauma right now, the traumatic experience of watching somebody die on TV. I don't know about you, but I, that would never go out of my head to watch this man die on TV. I don't know if you guys are military or in the medical field, so you might see that more often than the average but for the average person to watch a man die on TV in front of you, to see him actually his last breath, and nobody on the streets did anything, not the police, not the innocent bystanders, nobody tried to save this man's life. But now they all experience the trauma for watching this man die in front of them. That's tough to deal with. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I've never seen something like that. Watching it on, on, a, on a movie set, you know that's not real. They're going to get up. They're going to walk away. But to watch that man die in front of your face and then they pick him up like a, like a, like like he's a doll, like he's an animal, and throw him on a gurney and then take off. The whole scene, the whole scenario was just not how it's supposed to go down. They're supposed to wait for a coroner. They ain't do that because they, they didn't want that riot to happen right there on that spot. So they picked him up, threw him on a gurney, put him in the back of the truck, and left. That's traumatic to watch that whole episode. So I want to get you guys to come in and talk to me about the trauma, either in your in your house, in your house, in your life, and in the world. How can we stop this traumatic experience from affecting us to where we're walking around like zombies? Anybody can chime in, Brother BJ, Brother Deborah, I mean, Sister Deborah, Brother Dave. Talk to me. Let's talk about it today. Uh, um, that it, it's a challenge, I would say. Um, I personally have, uh, I, uh, I remember taking a CPR class. Uh, I was in the military and I was heading uh, 
on 95 and um, there was an accident that just occurred and uh, guy was laying on the side of the road, a 28 year old uh, man. Three of us got out and we performed CPR for 15 minutes straight. Uh, me, retired fire chief, and it was another guy. And I actually had the guy's head between my head. And, um, and I was on the phone with 911 as the uh, fire chief was doing the compressions. Um, this has been at least five, six years ago. And he passed away right there on the spot. And I could just tell you that, um, and there's been a couple other times I've dealt and been around uh, bodies like that. It's not something you forget. It's not something you want etched into your mind. Um, and even with the George Floyd case, I, I intentionally did not watch the video because I understand you can't undo or unsee death in that way, especially when it's that traumatic. And already I know personally after, unfortunately, all the incidents that have taken place with uh, unarmed um, blacks being killed, that there's been a few times I've had discussions where if a siren, a police car is coming up behind me, I don't know if they're coming for me or someone else, but I'm already nervous. And immediately I started thinking about all the other incidents like Fernando Castile and all the other ones who weren't doing anything. And the end result was their, their death. It's, it's, it's something that I don't think that many, our society is not mentally or emotionally prepared to deal with. Um, Spiritually, I can say we could pray and give it to God, but when you're talking about looking at the end of a person's life, it's a trauma, it's a, it's a tragedy that leaves you uh, lost and it constantly reminds you of your humanity that this life is, is truly temporary. And I think that's one of the, the, the other sides of, of that event that I guess it keeps us human. But I'm just curious to hear what other people have to say, because right now I, I really couldn't give you a solid answer as to what you do. I can just say that for me, how I deal with it, um, it doesn't consume me. I don't allow it to consume me, but it does keep me alert to uh, pay attention to what's going on in current events and where I'm at most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got some more people come in. Uh, we didn't get a chance to open up with prayer, and that, that's my fault, excuse me. So, DeBoer, can you, we go back up a little bit, and you can open up some prayer? Sure, you're kind of breaking up. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, first of all, for being God and being God all by yourself. We thank you because you are sovereign. You do what you want, when you want, and how you want to do it. Thank you for throwing your weight around and throwing it around in our lives. God, we ask you to forgive us of our sins, those that we've done unwittingly and those that we knew that we did that came against you and others. God, I thank you for the leaders that are on here right now. I thank you for this think tank. I thank you that solutions may be born out of this. I thank you that people's hearts and minds might be eased out of this conversation that we're going to have. I ask you to bless everyone that's on here. Bless the Floyd family. Bless people everywhere that have gone through trauma, God. And we just thank you once again for this idea whose time has come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Once again, Amen. I want to thank everybody for being there. Pastor Dave, BJ, right. Josephine, Minister Deborah. Uh, we have another couple more that might come in, but if they do, they'll just jump right in the discussion.
Josephine, since you came in a little late, you got to come in and you know you got to introduce yourself and um bring some um bring a nice little message and some gifts with you. Uh, <laughs> uh, everybody on here, I think, knows me. Uh, Pastor Dave, maybe not. Um, I am uh, Josephine Horace Jackson. I am the magnificent mom's portion of this uh, uh, enterprise empire. Um, Dennis and I have been working on this endeavor for several years now, and God has uh, blessed us to uh, come to uh, it to come to fruition. Uh, magnificent is a not-for-profit. Uh, uh, organization that I, uh, through the Holy Spirit, we endeavor to uh, uh, restore the uh, narrative of gatekeeping. And gatekeeping is, uh, as you all know, that women, mothers, are the first formal contact that all forms of life have. So currently, gatekeeping has been given a negative negative narrative. So what I endeavor to do is to reconcile and restore that to a positive image, especially within our community. So uh, Magnificent Moms, um, and I don't want people to just think you, that you have to be a natural mother. So motherhood uh, embraces many forms. It can be through a surrogacy. It can be through birthing a vision. So uh, with that, it's going to be uh, um, teaching people about co-parenting, about relationships. So this is a big umbrella that we have here. So uh, Dennis and I are working inside the uh, walls, uh, outside the walls. So we're just going to be... Um, doing a lot of ventures so we hope that you all will will um join us and and uh go, go yeing and Amen. transforming and re helping renew and restoring and uh i'm just excited about what god is doing in the pandemic mm. amen oh that's great that's great to hear so um once again uh Minister DeBoer, you want to you want to speak now? Sure. Um, I just want to give a shout out. Hey, BJ, I just really realized that was you. Hey, yes. son, love How you. How you doing, Mama? Love How you, you doing, Joe. love you too. Joe, and nice to meet you, Pastor Dave and Dennis. Um, All right. Thank you for this opportunity. I follow a different kind of path than most. Um, my grandfather worked in a funeral home uh, when he and my grandmother first got married. And he told stories about that as I grew up. Some of them scared the heebie-jeebies out of me. But oh. the point is, I grew up being afraid of the dead body. And all I had to do was walk in front of a funeral home and I couldn't sleep for the next two weeks and being in fear of anything. So I fought that fear and faced that fear by going to mortuary school. So I am used to seeing death of all kinds. I lived in uh, St. Louis for a while, um, shortly before Ferguson was going on, but things had started to go on in the background, of course, that should never have happened. For example, we'd be in the embalming room and we have to 
to, um, I'm not going to get graphic, but we have to take buttonholes, for example, and put them in bullet holes um, of anyone who was shot up. And we would get police reports that would say somebody was shot three times, but yet we're plugging them 17 and 18 times. So I've seen some things happen, and I've seen some things happen in the street. Um, I wanted to become a doctor, but I didn't have the scientific acumen to do that. And the way my soul is, is knit together, uh, my mantra became, I didn't bring you here, I didn't take you out. As a mortician, I just helped you look good on the way back. That way I don't have to feel responsible for someone dying. Um, that gives me a different view of death, but it will never give me a different view of murder. Those are two different things. Um, my perspective helps me in dealing with this trauma, number one, talking and trying to have an intelligent conversation. For example, I have a white Jewish landlord. I have two white housemates and some things they don't understand. And I find great joy and great pride in breaking those things down to them about black culture and how we've been wrong through the years. But as far as my personal perspective, I was reading the Exodus the other day, and I remember a sermon that Willie Wilson out of Washington, D.C. preached. It was called Boys in the Hood, and it was based off of Exodus. And that sermon basically talks about the midwives went back and told Pharaoh that they couldn't destroy these babies because they were coming too fast. It was nothing they could do to stop them. Of course, they lied. It was the Lord that was stopping them from destroying them. But when I think about that coupled with um, some New Testament scripture, I think about it this way. Pharaoh knows there's a king out there and black people are kings. And he's trying to kill the king because he's afraid he's going to be dethroned. That's it for now. Thank you for, thank you for that for now. Brother Dave, I'll meet you, Mike, let you come back in. Let me um, tell everybody about yourself and uh, give us um, your thoughts. Well, first of all, how's everybody doing today? Fine and you, Pastor Dave. <laughs> good, good, good. It's good to see everybody on here. Uh, I just want to uh, say thank you to Dennis. Uh, I knew Dennis a long time ago. Uh, we used to work together uh, with... Um, some children that were coming up through a uh, traumatic, uh, traumatic life style. Um, and we, we had to deal with them on a, on a certain situation where uh, we couldn't use words to medicate them, but then we had to use other resources to medicate them. And it was just something that uh, I knew Dennis and I was not uh, accustomed to. Um, so, you know, we, 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 we've ended up back on another path where we are now, and uh, divine appointment has brought us together in such a time as this. Um, you know, there, there have been some things that we talked about, uh, Dennis and I, about Black children coming up in a society that we live in today. And there are so many people, scientists and doctors, that are trying to figure out psychologists, they're just trying to figure out what's going on inside the mind 
inside of the mind and the heart of our black children. Um, and only one that knows is the black children. Us, we've come up in this society and we've made it this far. And if we made it this far in this society, then we have the answers. We have the answers in us. Um, God has put the answers in us, uh, but everyone else is trying to figure it out. And they're trying to get us to um, think about it, worry about it, uh, uh, put too much attention to it, where it really has uh, no bearing on us. We already know what it is. And it's the generational things that has happened in our forefathers' lives, how they were brought up what they had to endure, what they seen, what they had to uh, experience. And things like that are passed down because they're not addressed. And when they're not addressed, then it goes to the next generation. And then if that generation doesn't address it, it goes to the next generation. And one of the hardest things, and, and I heard Dennis talk about this the other day was, the hardest thing is to address it. Whatever generation is addressing it will have the roughest and toughest time. People say, well, how come, you know, people's uh, hair didn't grow gray so fast? We have a generation now where a lot of black men and women are, are, are getting gray hair or silver hair, you want to say, at the age of 30, all right? 27. And, and part of that is because that comes with addressing, okay, these dilemmas and these hardships and these traumatized lives that our children are coming up in. We're addressing it. And a lot of it comes from just being truthful with them. Um, I heard someone speak. Uh, I don't know who that was. I think that maybe been a uh, 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 BJ, uh, he was talking about the video that has been uh, plastered all over America. And this is one that is very hard to endure. This is one that's very hard to watch and to look at. We've seen many of them. Um, and it's kind of cowardly to close your eyes or turn the channel when you see it. It depends on who's in the room with you. But, you know, the life that I've come up in, um, there, there came a time in my life where I did close my eyes and put my hands over my ears um, just by seeing what my mother and some of my uncles were going through. There were times where I ran behind the bed or under the bed and closed my eyes and put my hands over my ears because we live we live in a in a society that creates trauma creates drama for our culture it's is you know the, the bible says we were born into sin doesn't mean that we were born as sinners that means we were born into a sinful world we're living in a in a dying world and there's some things that are going on that are based on experience that, cre that creates what people have seen on national TV with looting and stuff like that. We, we don't wanna blame them. 
We don't want to blame them because all that comes from is what they have experienced, what they have seen, what they have been um, neglected, things that have been held back from them, uh, the things that their parents had to go through. And, and then we want to blame them. And, and what we have to do is embrace them because you'll be surprised of what a person can do with just being embraced in such a time like this. Okay, you 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 feel their bodies weaken, you feel their bodies tremble, and you'll see the tears come down, because this is a time where people really really just need someone to embrace, and with the COVID nineteen going on, all right, it's kind of been stripped away from us, and so this is just some a, a, a trying time for uh, uh, the black culture. But we have to come together and, and and really get to know and understand who God is in our lives, and and I'm and I'm just honored and, and and happy to be on this this forum because it allows me to speak some of the things that I feel in my heart that need to be spoken about. I appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for brother for such an invite. But I just want to get before we get too deep. I just want to name three. Just said. There are three types of trauma. And so I'm going to name off those three types of trauma. And then each one of y'all might could chime in on which trauma you may either face or you've seen or you dealt with or that we deal with in this world today. Because first of all, we're here to help the younger children. Our youth are the ones that really need to have to understand how to deal with this trauma. Because nobody's there to teach them or talk to them. And if they don't get the training, they don't get somebody to comfort them in this time of um, trauma, we don't know what's going to happen with them. It is it's out of control, so we need to give them some kind of reassurance. So this is a three three um, main types of trauma: acute, chronic, or complex. Acute is natural is trauma result from a single incident, and chronic trauma is repeated and prolonged, such as domestic violence or abuse. Complex trauma is exposure to varying multiple varying and multiple traumatic events, often of an invasive, interpersonal nature. And that third, that last one, the complex, that's what we all deal with in our life. Because there's so many things going on that we just can't say it's just one. There was a commercial, I just can't, you just, the latest tension, you just can't have just one. And they, they made millions and millions of dollars off of that brand slogan. You just can't take just one. But I'm telling you, if I could just take just one of my traumas and put the other ones in the closet somewhere and don't deal with it, I'll be all right. But I, I got a lot of traumas that I've had over my lifetime. I don't know about you. There's some things that I just wish I would never have experienced. And that George watching that guy, George Floyd, died in front of me. That's one of them. That's mm. a trauma that I would never get rid of. And I wish I could take back. Every time they now they show it on TV, click. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. Click. Mm. So, so how about our, our youth that are going through this? How do they deal with that? As mothers, as fathers, as uncles, or aunts, as a family, they need to mm. be embraced. They need to be talked to. Mm. So if anybody want to chime in and talk about that? Yeah, I want to I, I want to touch on that complex area and, and, and you know, because that's that's one of the areas that um, I would like to speak about because I experienced it when I was coming up. So I, you know, and, and then, as you know, uh, I've been working with the, the youth for 17 years and I shouldn't have been working with the youth for 17 years because of my upbringing and my past. Uh, 
I, I just believe that the Lord wanted me to go in this direction so that I can make an impact uh, on the youth because, you know, there, there are things that, that the human eye sees as a young child, okay, that they can never get rid of. Just like you said, Dennis, there, there are things that we see today or things that we've seen 30 years ago, 40 years ago, that we will always be able to explain it to anybody in detail, all right? That is something that has been placed on your heart, placed on your mind, it's been placed on your psychic, you can't get rid of it. And when you explain it to people today, they would think you got that story off of a TV or a movie or something. And, you know, it, it, it becomes very difficult and challenging because as, as the time goes by, uh, uh, other traumatic air, uh, situations are put on top of that. It's almost like you're building a layer of cake of, of traumatic, traumatic stress and it just comes on and it comes on and it comes on. And guess what? You know, people burst, okay? People, they can't handle a certain amount of trauma. Uh, you know, the Bible says there's a measure of faith, a measure of it. And certain people can handle it. And certain people can't. You know, that's, 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 that's why, you know, if someone comes up and tell you a story that is just out of this world, I mean, they, they've lost their parents, they've lost their... They're, and they were raised up in, in a foster home and they, they, they used drugs and their parents sold them for prostitution and you name it. And it goes on and on and on. And, and, and you'll stop and say for a second, how did you deal with that? Because I couldn't have done, done, done anything about that. And it makes you really realize that certain people can handle certain things. We all have a certain area of breaking. And, and, and these, these, these kids that are coming up now, um, you know, their breaking points are suicide. Their breaking points are, are running away. Their breaking points are going to give their body to another man. You know, one of the things I, I, I read in studies about human trafficking, okay, it's, 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 it's something serious because, you know, 14%, 14 to 18% of people that want to do it. And, and you, you have to think, where, where does that mindset come from? Okay, you know, multiple things that are happening. You, you know, I've, I've seen people, uh, 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 you know, get stripped naked and put on fire. You know, just, just so many things that you see all through your life, coming up in, in the streets, coming up in the, in, the, in the prison systems, coming up in the foster care systems, uh, coming up in poverty. All these things that are, are, are placed not on our not on us, but in our eye, in our ear gates and in our eye gates, we see these things, and once they enter into you, you can't you can't get rid of. Them. And you know, and this is where you know the doctors come in, and they're, they're trying to come up with all these different kind of potions and drugs to to make you forget about all this stuff, and it's just amazing. And, and, you know, one of the things I, you know, I want, I want to um, uh, press is that we, we have to go, we have to deal with this stuff, okay, with one another, okay? We have to bear each other's burdens. We have to share with one another and have someone to speak to and talk to. It just amazes me, man, how much uh, a psychiatrist gets paid just for sitting on the couch 
and, and watch and, and listen. People will go inside of an office and pay $190 an hour just for someone to listen to them. And but, you know, as 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 pastors and as as ministers and as uh, a people of God, okay, we have to have that lending ear. We have to have uh, uh, for our youth, you know, if we could just listen to people that are dealing with these things, you'd be surprised of all the stuff that you will hear. You'd be surprised of the breakdown of how people uh, uh, will start to tell you everything that they don't tell anybody else. Yeah, that's definitely true. Definitely true. This is DeVore. I see you ready to chime in there. So I know you got something for us. I see you you're in your eyes. Yeah, you're funny. Um, I so strongly agree with uh, some of the points. Well, really all of the points that Pastor Dave made, but something jumped, a couple of things jumped out at me. Um, I discovered I had a catastrophic accident um, 10 years ago. I was run over by a car, drug. Had to learn to walk again, use my arms again on life support a few days. Uh, pelvis crushed, shoulder crushed, you name it. I don't look like what I've been through. But something I learned, I learned so many valuable lessons during that time. But I would lay in bed. I remember the first nights when I regained consciousness, just hoping that nobody would touch me. Don't, I'm in a hospital. I know you got to touch me. Shucks, let's, let's go back to when I was laying on the ground and I knew the ambulance was coming and there was somebody there praying for me and holding my hand and saying, baby, just hold on. And I said, but I don't want to. And when they got there, I said, please don't move me. Now, that's the craziest thing in the world. You got to move you to take you to the hospital to save your life. But I didn't want to experience that level of pain. Um, and, and I realized that the human body, see, at first I didn't feel anything. The human body is, we are fearfully and marvelously and wonderfully made. And we're made in such a way that we shut down at a certain point, most of us, that um, where to, to keep us from losing our lives. Um, but back to the point I was making about not wanting anybody to approach me. As I began to heal, when I went to the nursing home and I began to learn to walk again, I remember saying, oh, as soon as my legs stop hurting, I'm going to be good to go and, and ready to hit the street run. And as soon as my legs stopped hurting, I felt this horrible pain in my arm. Well, doctor finally said to me, that pain has always been there. It's just when the lesser pain, the greater pain disappeared, then the lesser pain came. So what you said in the beginning, we're all dealing with complex trauma. Heck, birth is trauma. It's trauma for the baby and the mother. But there's redemption in it. I listened to BJ when he made the statement about, I'm so sorry, I had my um, clock. When he made the statement of not wanting or not being able to look at um, Mr. Floyd's murder, and BJ has been in Iraq. Am I not? Do I have that wrong? He's been to war. He's been to battle. Certainly he's seen people kill. So what makes it different being there than turning on the TV and not being able to watch it? 
it's environmental, it's circumstantial. It ain't supposed to happen in a place where we are not at war. But, but we're all at war. And I love what uh, Pastor Dave said, because it boils down to the strong have to bear the infirmities of the weak. It didn't tell us how to do it. It said that we have to do it. And that's a part of the human experience. And, and even though there's some nasty situations, it's a part of the joy of the journey and discovering how can I put myself on the back burner for a minute and step over here and help somebody else who's going through their own brand of trauma. Education, I think that word is so overused. But at the same time, I think about a young lady or young man who's been sex trafficked, for example. And, and let's say they're, they're released and you're on assignment to help them. My natural instinct as a mom or for JoJo would be to run and hug them, but you can't do that because they've been traumatized. So education, learning how our personality works with bearing the infirmities of someone else. Yeah, that's good. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, anybody else want to come in? BJ, Josephine? Well, um, what I want to bring into the conversation tonight uh, is trauma from the perspective of mental health uh, as, as it relates to, uh, I've been reading uh, uh, Medical Apartheid. And if y'all don't have that book, y'all need to buy it. It's by Harriet Washington. And it talks about the dark history of medical experimentation on Black Americans from colonial times to the present. And um, this particular chapter stuck out to me. It's called Infection and Inequity, Illness as a Crime. Now, that's something to really think about. Illness as a crime and infection and inequity. And, and, and we can uh, parlay that to the current situation with the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, at first, everybody was saying that, you know, Black people couldn't get COVID-19. But currently, let's see, you know, we see who's the most... Uh, traumatized by COVID, black and brown people. And that's because of the um, many, many varying factors, but because of the constructs, the systemic racism as it relates to uh, how we have deficits within our community, uh, how we are sort of um, not given the same equality as our other counterparts, how we are denied treatment. I worked in healthcare for 27 years. I saw it firsthand. I saw how uh, uh, people have were given uh, different treatment. Since I've been on the other side of a white coat, I've experienced it myself as a patient. I've been fighting the government myself for treatment that I know that I needed. So 
one of my favorite areas that I worked, especially that I worked in was mental health and it still is. So in seeing the people in the street rioting, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. So I hold my voice. I don't agree, you know, with necessarily, but I understand that there are varying factors. So it, it pains me, my soul is vexed. But my apostle today comforted me in saying that we don't want all the ministers to speak up because some of what they might have to say might not be worth saying. So because so therefore let some of them be silent. So I thought about that and, and that is true. But getting back to why is illness a crime that's a trauma? I like to read to you something here in the end here, and it was it talks about not too long ago where this this man Milton Ellis was on the on the front page of the New York Times. He was uh, shackled for three weeks to his bed for not taking his medicine, and he wasn't charged with rape or murder or anything. It was because he had tuberculosis. He was, and, 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 it, and it talks about he wasn't treated by nurses or doctors, but he was, he was guarded by deputies. And his only crime, his only case was that he was a schizophrenic. Why was that a crime? That's trauma. And, and, and it, it goes on to, to say that in major cities, this is happening all over major cities where the mentally ill are being treated like criminals. Why? It happened here in Chicago. I don't know about any other, other major cities, but they closed the majority of the mental health facilities. I worked in a part of Chicago where they called it Heron Alley last year on a contract for a whole year. I saw things that in my whole, I thought I had seen stuff. I almost lost my mind, literally, because I saw stuff I had never seen before in my life. They had, they, they closed a lot of the mental health facilities. They made the county jail as a mental hospital. When I saw people step, literally OD. Now I'm having worked in the hospital. I thought I had seen a lot of stuff. No, 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 no. My desk and I can sit at my desk and see people OD like every five minutes. That that did something to my me. That was trauma for me. When I saw how the police handled them, that was trauma for me. Like it was okay. People stepped over them like it was nothing like they were a piece of paper they have become so desensitized and how the police how the police handle people in their area so i being an empath that was too much for me to handle but i knew that i had to get some mental health for myself and see that's another issue when people that are in the church they're frowned upon 
uh, being a believer, you're frowned upon for seeking mental health. They say, oh, you, you, you give you, they, and you quote scriptures, but can I just go sit down and talk to somebody about what's going on with me? Can I go see a psychiatrist? Why am I demonized? Why am I ostracized? I do, that's not a, a waver in my faith. That's trauma in my house. Why is that not understood? We could take a pill for everything below, below the neck, but why not do I, can, is it frowned upon for seeking help above the neck? That's mm -hmm. trauma. See, we have double standards. These are things that need to be addressed. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop, I'm not gonna take this, is, I can go much, much deeper, but I, these are things that need to be addressed with our community specifically about why we frown upon mental health so. Why, why is that such hypocritical and double standards? Why do we not want to address, we need to change the narrative about what goes on in our house, stays in our house. We got too many skeletons in our closet. The closet is about to run over. That's why the kids are doing what they're doing in the streets because we preach one thing and do another thing. We need to stop being so hypocritical. We need to uh, uh, be transparent. The, the, the baby boomers need to reach out to the uh, millennials. We need to listen before with, with purpose and intent before we respond to the trauma that's in the house. Yeah, Brother BJ, what you got to say about the trauma in the house, man? Come and help us deal with this right, right now, man. We can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yes. we got you. Okay. Um, I believe uh, as a Christian, the more understanding we have, not just of, of God's word, but the more tools and resources we have are readily available to us, we're supposed to use those tools to help free people. And what I mean by that is I learned uh, just from reading and, and talking with others. Um, we, we talk about generational curses and I begin to notice pain of what it was like for people to grow up without their mothers, without their fathers. But I also realized a generation before me didn't have permission to talk about those things. They weren't allowed to talk about them or they weren't sure how to articulate them. But for the most part, the things that were traumatizing to them, they dealt with it and moved on. And I'm gonna repeat a little bit what the pastor said earlier, but um, those, issues that they had that they were traumatized to and then i don't think the word traumatized was even used back then for their issues it was compounded and we keep compounding it until the next generation to the next generation and that stuff starts to build up a lot of interest and at some point i real i begin to realize that if i have eyes to see that they're all carrying a burden it is my obligation and out of love i should go back and help free them so I personally have actually done this uh, with some family members. I, I gathered them all together. And because of the, how I am, um, I have uh, two daughters. Um, at the time I got custody of my daughters in 2001. Uh, in the early 2000s, it was rare to hear of anybody having, uh, as a man, having custody of their children. So 
that right there garnered a lot of respect from all of my family members. Uh, so I was a single parent. But I got some uh, family members together and I sat them down. And um, it wasn't a sermon, but I explained to them what I began to see. And they began to share with me things that a lot of them weren't even aware of themselves. And, and these are, uh, they're all older than me, but they grew up together in a different time. But there were things that they weren't even aware of about each other or th events that helped shape them to who they are. And some of the actions that came out of their mindset, I began to see in today's society. So what I gave, what I told them was basically forgiveness you know, for the situation I'm talking about with them, I said, at some point you have to, or you should want to forgive this person for the harm that they did to you. But that was all I could do for them. I couldn't make them or tell them that's what they had to do. But at the same time, I revealed something to them that I revealed something to them collectively that they may not have seen individually or may have known. But again, because of the values that was instilled upon them because they were born in the forties and fifties, they probably wouldn't talk about it. So with that being said, I realized when we're talking about trauma, we have to lay a foundation. Like when we look at George Floyd's video, we look at Tamir Rice, Fernando Castile, we look at those type of videos. Um, like with my, uh, one of my uh, mentees, I talked to him last week about the, the video, asked him what he thought about it and his perspective on it. And he just turned 15 last week. I'm gonna do the same thing with another one tomorrow. I have to give them the backstory of what happened and explain to them where the, the rage and the frustration is coming from. I have to tell them about in the history, how we had like the Black Wall Street, how we had Rosewood, how we had uh, neighborhoods where things were thriving, but was always destroyed. You know, so for me, when I recognize trauma in, in areas that I can actually articulate, like the family, my family members, or when I talk to my youth, I go to the foundation because I realize if you can explain the foundation or if you understand the foundation, now you have the tools to uproot the foundation or you can pour things into the roots of that foundation that would choke out whatever it is that was traumatizing them in the first place. For my family, it was forgiveness. You know, they got the tools to pour the forgiveness on the roots. If they choose to do that, that's upon them. With my, my, my mentees, uh, the other one be 15 of July, I have to wait a few years to see how, I, what I planted in them to see what will become of them as they grow older. So um, I just say when it comes to trauma and we talk about solutions, we talk about what can we do about what I see, I realize it takes a lot of courage to deal with any type of trauma. But when you talk about being transparent, you have to have the courage to want to be transparent and you have to have the mental, spiritual, emotional fortitude to deal with the transparency once it comes because not everybody has the heart or understanding to deal with the transparency that comes with it right now one of the things as i listen to everyone um converse on here our society is already nurturing uh isolation everybody's within their own world creating their own society within themselves and, and being online um socially doesn't really help that much but now when you start adding trauma to it you begin to think that you're the only person that's feeling this way that's thinking this way and if you don't have transparent conversations then i, I think the younger generation when i say the younger generation i'm talking about those in the 20s and even teenagers 
won't know how to process this stuff, won't know or how to adjust or how to adapt. They have to reach out to the older folks. At the same time, those that have gone before them also have to reach out to them as well, not with pride, but with love. Not saying what in we here. did in my time. Huh? I'm sorry. Can you, you can still hear me? Jojo, can you hear me? I don't know if y'all can hear me. I can hear you. I can hear you. Oh, okay. That was okay. probably Jojo's train. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the train. But, but when you're reaching out to them, you don't reach out with pride saying, well, this is what we did. This is what you need to do. You reach out with love. And what I mean by that is, the principalities that's involved, like with racism, has always been there. Uh, sexism has always been there. When you understand what roots you're dealing with, sometimes you, it's easy to pull a weed from the top and you might get all the root, but sometimes you have to just dig around it. So when you're talking to younger people and when older, pe when older people are talking to younger people, dig around the roots because it's still fresh. Dig around their minds, dig around their hearts, ask questions that make them think. But don't tell them what they need to do, because right now, if we want to minimize some trauma, if we want to better our society, we have to have the right tools. And when I say the right tools, I'm talking about uh, agape love. I'm talking about that unconditional love, not conditional love, where you said this about that person. I said this, now I'm going to unfriend you, and we stop talking. That's, that's conditional love. But if we're going to really make amends with anything, we have to be transparent with ourselves first take responsibility for the things that we can do and have not done. And then we start reaching out to our family members and try to support them and help them become transparent in their own personal lives as well. Yeah, some good, good solutions, brother. I thank you for that. But I just want to bring up something that somebody else could jump in. We had another guest came in. Um, I know it says administrator. I don't know exactly the name, but what I want to throw out there is this. And in spiritual nature, it tells us we wrestle not against the flesh and blood, but spiritual weakness in high places. And so we understand that there's a trauma situation going on in the spiritual realm. There's a fight always going on in the spiritual realm and the natural realm. And so with that fight constantly going on, you know, we have to be mindful that this world is constantly coming at us. We're always like, we talked about earlier about being in a war. We're on the front lines. I talked to a brother in Germany. He says, when I look at you guys in America and how we look at you guys over here across the pond, that you guys are on the front lines. They actually say the front lines. So if they look at us as the front lines, that means they realize that we are at war. At war. So there's a physical war and there's a spiritual war. But too many are caught up in that physical war and they don't know how to transition over to the spiritual war to get that trauma, help them deal with that trauma. So now they're going crazy. Like you said, cuckoo for cocoa puffs because they don't know how to deal with the trauma. So if anybody, you know, I know we all chimed in on that. Um, I'm going to unmute the mic of uh, our guests and let them come in. If they just want to speak to us, they can. Administrative, can you hear me? When you're ready to come in, un unmute your mic. But uh, anybody else want to come in and talk to a little bit, a little more about how we're going to deal with this, how help our youth continues to deal with it? Because we want to plant these seeds of, of healing into these, our youth. I think uh, one thing how we can plant a seed uh, is that 
the first thing is that we need to be like everyone has been saying is be transparent. Uh, I myself, when I deal with the youth, when I mentor the young girls, when I mentor the, the cats on the street corner, I don't come to them with my Bible brandishing it and trying to, to beat the hell out of them as 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 people try to say I, I i speak i speak to them i meet them where they are I, I i talk to them in their lingo so they can understand and a lot of them are amazed like how does old lady know them songs or how she can speak to us where we can understand so that's one thing that we need to 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 as older people as the elders we need to be able to re be relatable the holy spirit told me when you Go out there in the street you must first be relatable then you must be life applicable and then you seal it with spirituality you know that you know that's how you deal with them so that's the first thing that we must do we must not always tell them uh what we think they should do because see we're thinking from the place of maturity they are not there yet so give them give them put the ball back in their lap you know, speak rhetorically to them. Give them the ability to to, to uh, critically think. Teach them how to critically think. A lot of our children, a lot of our young adults, even our older adults, don't know how to critically think. Give them the tools to do such. And you must be patient. The word says some plant, some water. It's God that gives the increase. We can't plant the seed and stand in the way and watch it grow. They need the sunlight, not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N light. You understand what I'm saying? Plant the seed. Let somebody else come behind you and water it. So when you give them them tools, go on. It's an assembly line. You move on down the street, move to the next person. We can't be prideful. We can't be arrogant. So we can't possess ownership. We can't get our assignment mixed up with attachment. That's sometimes what we do in error too. We can't stay there. We have to do have an assignment, finish that assignment, and move on and move on because we have multiple things that we need to do. We need to teach them. Because the dynamics are changed. They're not what they were 20, 30 years ago. Kids, you know, every child comes from a different environment. When I was exposed to the world, I thought the world was just like I, had, I was raised. When I went to prison, I was shocked. I learned that not everyone grew up like I did. So I had to, I had to learn fast and quick in a hurry. I had to, that bubble, my bubble was bust. So that's what me was, we must understand that not everyone grew up, not everyone had the same mother, father, not everyone grew up with a loving, nurturing uh, environment. Like someone mentioned, like I think it was you, Deb, when you mentioned, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mother hen. I love the love, love on you and hug you and kiss you. A lot of my friends like, oh, well, see, I had to realize that a lot of them didn't have a mom that taught them to say, I love you, or kissed and hugged and hugged on them. So mm -hmm. I had to find other ways to be intimate with them. So, so it's all about I'm being taught as well as they're being taught. Recipro reciprocity is paramount. 
You understand what I'm saying? So all, we must be able to give as well as receive. It can't be a one-way train going 100 miles out of order. So, so, so these are things that we must all, as, as community navigators, as ministers, as whatever in the community, we must be able to do. Because kids, I've learned, they watch what you do. This right here, in and out. You understand? So we must be living examples to them. We must show them that, that we care and care as in an action form, as being consistent. Does that make sense? And uh, the administrator is Don. My friend Don Seswick. So I don't know. He was supposed to. Be, he's gonna come on later tonight. So he probably just jumped in early. Okay. That's all I gotta say for right now. That's correct. Yeah. I'm just here listening. Sorry. Oh. Just just oh, okay. enjoying. Yes, ma'am. Okay. okay. Cool. Sister Sister Deborah, I see you over there with a big smile, just waiting to come in. You were just waiting. So come on. We ain't gonna hold you back no more. Come on in. No, a couple of things. I uh, just want to hit real quick something that BJ said that was powerful. Um, he was talking about uh, generational curses. He mentioned that. And it just immediately triggered the thought in me about principalities and how principalities and powers govern certain areas, certain cultures. So, and the bottom line is the enemy knows his time is short. There just ain't no other way to put it. So he's he's sound and fury and and full speed ahead. But then the other thing, Jojo was just talking about children and how they pay attention to what we do, not so much what we say. And again, I, I have all these personal experiences because I probably have one of the craziest weirdest just bananas background of anybody you all probably met jojo knows a lot of it bj may know some of it um you know the lord was dealing me with me one day and he was talking about babies and he was saying that the root word of babies actually means fool they come here as fools there is nothing on that palette there's nothing there and he said the reason that they talk and babble or speak in what language that is unintelligible to us is because they just came from heaven. They get here, if I allowed them to speak in a language that you could understand, they would tell all the secrets and the mysteries of where they were. So it's kind of an unlearning process while it's a learning process. But there is, there's so much in what she said to unpack because I can remember as a child, I was taught that my mother was my sister. Talk about secrets. We had a bunch of them. So I can remember being outside. I was raised by my grandparents. Being outside many days with my grandfather, seeing this handsome man drive down the street, blow the horn, and wave at my grandfather and speak to him. Well, I'm not older than four or five years old. 
I knew that man, that stranger was my father. But if you ask me to explain how I knew, I, I can't do it to this day. And I'm 65 years old. I still can't do it. But I was taught to believe my grandfather was my father. So I just couldn't figure out how do I have two daddies? But the bottom line is there, there is, you, you can communicate with the spirit of a person, even when they're so young that you think they don't understand some things. And um, all I got to say is BJ, Jojo, y'all, y'all are just on it. And BJ, what you're doing takes so much courage and Sometimes, and I'm not saying you're broken, but sometimes we have to do what you're doing. We have to do it while we're broken. And we may have to cry. And we may have to feel things we don't want to feel while we're ministering to our other family members. But that is, that is just so powerful. And I, I applaud you for doing that. I think that's phenomenal. And maybe something can be birthed out of what you're doing um, on a grander scale with Dennis and Jojo and Pastor Dave. I, I don't know. I can't say, but that's powerful. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, we're going to go for, try to, you know, get ready to close this out. So I'm going to let everybody have these for the five more minutes to give their personal um warm, heartfelt, just from your spirit. Because like I said, we deal with the trauma in the house. And and I don't know, we, none of us are probably, I'm not a doctor. I don't know any of you have doctors on your, on your, um, in your resume. But, but if we look out the windows of our house right now and see what's going on, there's some people out there that really go through some pain. They need somebody to give them some advice to comfort them. And so, and as you take this last closing words, that's all I want you to do. What can you give to comfort and help heal these young people and the fathers and the mothers that they can have enough strength to, to heal, to, you know, to comfort their kids. Mm. Because remember, these kids haven't went to school. Kobe has got them locked in the house. They might have some issues. They might be going out a little more now, but they have changed their lives. 2020 has changed their life. And now here they got on the news or they see on TV, a riots are breaking out all over the world. They need some comfort. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of the biggest things about uh, uh, expressing yourself to to the youth is is just having the ear to hear. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I heard one of the young ladies saying, I think it was uh, 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 Del, uh, Josephine, all right? Um, we, we, we have to be, you know, slow slow to speak okay and quick to listen so that people can express what's really on their hearts or uh, if we don't listen they, they won't express it sometimes yeah we we find ourselves talking too much because we think we have all the answers and when you know when when you're ministering to someone okay you have to have an ear to hear you have to receive what it is that they're saying what's on their hearts all right, they have to pour out. They have to pour it out, and you're the cup. All right, and 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 when we, and when we do that, what 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 happens is there's a a transition, okay, of of burden. There's a transition of earth, 
there's a transition of expressed feelings that they've never been able to get rid of, that they've been holding in, and they get to pour it out into someone, okay, who has already been equipped, okay, with the tools, the necessary tools to give them back uh, what needs to be heard. And that's words of encouragement and building up. You know, one of the things that I realized is that it's so hard to uh, uh, build people up, but it's very easy to tear someone down. And in and, and this society that we live in, it's just not accustomed to building, okay? And, and you know, so what, what, what I try to do is just, you know, let people know that, uh, 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 you know, one of the things that she said was right was education is overrated. I believe that revelation will outdo education any day, okay? Sometimes, you know, people need to hear an answer. Some, sometimes people need to hear something that's going to bless their lives so that they can uh, uh, deal with truth. Okay, we can't tell the, our, our, our younger generation a lie. You know, we, we always say, well, if you tell them, it, it may bother them, it may hurt them, it may, you know, you know, God wants us to be truthful with all things. And, and, and yeah, maybe, you know, I heard, I heard the gentleman, uh, uh, BJ, say some, some people can't handle it. Some people can't handle it. So guess what? All right, we, we gradually give them the food. We break the food up. And give it to them like as if they were babies. You know, the Bible says, you know, some some people are not accustomed to eating meat, but they have to take pure milk of the word. So we give it to them in in little pieces. All right, because they have to hear the truth. Though. We can't we can't stray away from the truth and give them a lie. All right, because when we give them a lie, okay, they're turning around and regret us later when they see something different. When the truth becomes before their eyes. And so, you know, I'm 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 very very uh impressed with the uh the people that's on this line, Dennis. Um, you 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 surround yourself around some some knowledgeable people that have an understanding of what it takes uh with experiential knowledge to 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 get through this life that we're living. All right, through the youth, through the people who are coming up behind us. All right, they they are our future. And we have to uh, uh, pave the way and make sure that they have all the right tools and all the right words to to help them. All right, and 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 I just I just want to just say, uh, oh, bless all of you. All right, and and continue to do the work that you're doing. You know, um, you know, I've been I've been teaching down at the. Uh, uh, I heard I heard the gentleman saying that he's been teaching the youth and stuff like that and and mentoring. All right, there will be something birthed out of that. I was just telling Dennis the other day, you know, that I, I've been preaching down and teaching down at the jails, Mecklenburg County jails for seven years. All right. And, and a church was birthed out of that, not on my own doings. And so I, I, I believe that BJ, you will be blessed and that something will be birthed out of that ministry. And, and that's it. Thank you. Well, thank you, brother. Um, anybody else? Zabora, BJ, you want to chime in as we close out? Yeah, I'll, I'll close out with this thought. Um, if you were to go look at on YouTube videos, minus all some of the uh, edit, edits that they've done with Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King and little videos, and we're talking about it in the 60s, and we fast forward now, 60 years later, a lot of the things they said have not changed but what has changed we're talking about four generations have come and gone from that time to now 
be organized because I'm talking about this particular trauma that's going on right now where we all the uh, protests is, is a, uh, a compound effect of us having to go back that far and still ask to be treated as human beings to be given um, equality. At this time, this is where we have more tools and more resources as older people to turn around and help work with the younger people to build a better lives for a better life for everybody. Um, and in addition to that, there are more white people that are more receptive now to actually listening to what we have to say and not lecture or say that they should have just complied or any other standard verbiage that some of us are accustomed to hearing when we try to say that we're not being treated fair or, or equal. I believe they, the youth have the energy and the passion and where they lack in the wisdom, we come in and we help give that to them. We partner together. How do you deal with this particular type of trauma? We work together because everybody's being traumatized uh, out of this event. Those are my closing thoughts. If you wanna make change, if you want to deal with trauma, you narrow this trauma down, you go back to the root and we work together. And mm. even if it's uncomfortable, sometimes to get to be comfortable, you have to be uncomfortable. Sometimes to make progress is gonna hurt. If you've ever had a splinter in your foot, you know, if you want to feel better, it's, it's going to hurt pulling it out. But the faster you pull it out, the faster you recover and, and you can move on with, from that. But that's all I want to close with. And thank mm -hmm. you for uh, inviting me on the show. Sister, the boy you sitting there with that smile, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just just two things. Something Pastor Dave said uh, combined with what BJ said about um, how we must tell the truth and sometimes you have to grind it up like baby food to uh, or so it, you know, or consistency of milk. And I was just sitting here thinking how George Floyd has become a movement and everything that killed him it wasn't just a knee to the neck. It was all the knees that have ever been to all of our necks that have caused and created trauma, the lies. But the reason we're seeing what we're seeing is because truth crushed to the earth will rise again. You'll never be able to stamp it out. The truth will always rise. And the last thing I wanna say is something I heard Bishop Clarence McClendon say, and I try to quote it the best I can. He said it, not me. I would love to take credit for it because it's brilliant. We keep saying Black Lives Matter while some say all lives matter, all lives matter. But what he said was a dog's life matters, a whale's life matters, a mosquito's life matters. And the grand scheme of things but do you see me as being equal to you thank you so much for inviting me jojo thank you dennis pastor dave bj god bless you all once again i do thank you for for um accepting the invite and graces with your wisdom sister josephine you have anything you want to say before we close out 
No, I don't have anything I want to say, but other than this is a movement, this is not a protest, this is not a riot, the fires are not going to flame thin. This is a movement. Watch what I say. Amen. Yeah, this is Dynamic Data, man. This is a mom. So we're here to help heal families. That's what we're here to help to heal families. So we're coming together on a united front um, with all of you. I'm in, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. BG, I believe you're in um, North Carolina. Brother Days in North Virginia. Okay, Virginia. Brother Days in North Carolina. And Sister Josephine's in Chicago. Uh, Sister Minister DeVore, I'm not exactly sure where you're at. Detroit, suburb of Detroit, Michigan. And as, as a united front, we are here to help heal families. We help to restore, elevate them, empower them, and encourage them to bond together. And as we do that as, as people, we can certainly get through the trauma that's in our house. Because we're not just having the, the mom, we got the uncles, we got the brothers, we got the sisters, we got the cousins, a whole family saying enough is enough, let's talk about the trauma and let's recover from this trauma. We're not going to keep doing this. We're not going to break, we're going to break this generational curse and somebody going to talk today. We're going to have an intervention today and we're going to fix this problem. So let's all Amen. stay focused and we're going to fix this problem. We're not going to let our, like they said, the next generation got to prepare for the next generation. We're not going to drop the ball. Amen. Right? So I just want to thank everyone for Amen. coming on. And um, I don't know if I want to, Brother BJ, you want to bless us out with a prayer? Sure. Heavenly Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that all that was said on this show today, Heavenly Father, will reach the hearts and minds of those that receive it. We pray, Lord, that it would touch their minds, that it would change their behaviors, that, Lord, it would reflect your word and your kingdom in their lives, Heavenly Father. We pray for unity and healing throughout the body of Christ, Lord. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus for each and every person that's on this panel today, that you would touch their hearts and their minds, that you would... Bless them in a mighty and special way, Lord, as you give them what their needs are. And we would pray that this word would just travel not just in our own local community, but it would travel around the world, Heavenly Father. We pray, Lord, in your son's precious name. Amen. 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 I want to thank you amen. once again, everybody. I thank you. You have an awesome night. And continue, continue to do what you do and bless some people with your knowledge. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Have a Goodbye. good night, everybody.